Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Friday, October 22nd, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynes, you, uh, you get up early this morning after a, a late Browns game last night. Everybody was uh, was up having a good time, drinking a few beers. We good? Oh, yeah. That was that was a great game. That uh, that running back really played. He, 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 that was impressive what he did. Yeah, yeah. He was Dearness good. Johnson. It would be it would be great to see the Indian uh, to, to see Cleveland have a uh, uh, a, a guy come off the bench uh, like uh, like the Browns did have uh, have the Guardians next season have a guy come in, you know when your your top two, you know shortstops or whatever go down and and you have a guy come in and, and pinch hit the way that uh, the Ernest Johnson did last night. I guess we sort of saw that this past season with Cal Quantrill with uh, with Tristan McKenzie when the the you know the big names in the rotation went down a little bit, but. Uh, yeah, nothing like Dearness Johnson getting his first NFL start and rushing for 146 yards. That's uh, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean they couldn't they couldn't touch him. I mean, I mean he kept you, you thought he was down, and then all of a sudden he, he would bounce back outside, and he was he was just he was really he was impressive, man. We're watching the game there with uh with my neighbors and my friends, and, and we're wondering if uh the 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 stain on the front of his jersey sort of looked like Nick Chubb. Uh, we're we're all speculating. All the conspiracy theorists are, are all speculating that he's <laughs> he's been uh, sprayed down with cooking spray or something like that to make him slippery. I don't know. I, I, I it was it was just funny to watch. Those the offensive linemen used to do that, right? right? When the, didn't yeah. didn't the, the Broncos uh, the Broncos linemen back when uh, John Elway was playing? They they were uh, were infamous for that that possibility. Yeah, I, I think so. Who knows? But again, I'm probably going to get myself in a ton of trouble just talking about stuff like that. Uh, there was a baseball game last night, uh, even though most people in Cleveland were watching the Browns. Uh, last night in the National League Championship Series, the uh, the Dodgers fought back from the brink of elimination, uh, down 3-1. They win the game 11-2, uh, and it was uh, Chris Taylor, the uh, the big game, the big three-home run game. Uh, I had mentioned Taylor as a an outfield possibility as a as a free agent as a possible target uh, for the Indians because of his versatility and because at the time that I wrote that post, you know, it, it didn't look like he was going to demand much in terms of salary. But you put up uh, you know three home runs in a in a National League Championship Series game, uh, it might might earn you a few extra dollars. Yeah, definitely. He's he's really a, an exciting player, Joe. He can play all over the place. You know, he, he came from Seattle. I think Seattle may have DFA'd this guy. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, and, and you know, he's really turned himself into a good player. You know, so he had three home runs last or yesterday, and A.J. Pollock hits two more. Uh, the Dodgers win the game 11-2, uh, like you said, with 17 hits. So, you know, 
And I, I wonder if you're the Atlanta Braves and you're sitting there thinking, here we go again, because they were up 3-1 last year on the Dodgers in the NLCS, and the Dodgers came back and got them. Yeah, I, I think uh, a little bit easier to blow a 3-1 series lead in, in baseball, I think, than maybe in basketball, like the, uh, the Warriors did against the Cavaliers back in 2016. Uh, you know, team gets hot, and, and it depends on when things, you know, just click with your rotation, although uh you know rotation doesn't seem to matter anymore in in postseason baseball uh these days uh the the Dodgers announced after the game Joe Kelly who actually started the game for them on the mound uh he's he's going to be done for the season he's uh, you know placed on the injured list uh they've already lost uh just a, a Turner um to a I believe a, a real bad hamstring injury um you know, and, and Max Muncy before they even started the postseason was was out. So uh, this Dodgers super team is really sort of testing the limits of that depth that they've had all year that really carried them to this point to 106 wins during the regular season. Yeah, you know, they're facing an elimination game uh, on uh, Thursday and they've got to go with a bullpen game. You know, that whole that that for all the money, for all the talent the Dodgers have you know acquired over the last couple of years their payroll and you know the money they've paid and you've got to use seven pitchers to 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 keep your season going they I think they use seven guys Joe uh, Kelly Phillips Versia uh, Gratterall you know training uh Knabel and Jen Jansen I mean I just uh you know, just like a, it's like a, an August game, you know, an August bullpen game when, when you got, when you run out of starters or something, it was, it's crazy. Right. That said though, you've got, you know, greater all and Knabel and Trinan and, you know, Jansen in the back that that's a, a really good bullpen. You're just, you're just going to be real close to burning them out before you even make it to the world series. If you can get that far. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, and they've shown, <laughs> You know, Dave Roberts has shown has shown a bit. You know, he he has no problem going to that pen as early as as he can. And uh, you know, now, but now it's kind of interesting the way they're set up for uh, you know game six and seven. Now they've got they can they're going to start Scherzer, you know, on mm-hmm. full rest uh, Saturday in game six, and they've got uh, Walker Bueller ready for game game seven. So maybe there's a method to the madness here. Yeah, uh, I hate to hate to bring up old memories, but this is sort of the way that uh, it's sort of the way that the, the Cubs came back on the Indians down three, one was they had things lined up where their, uh, their ACE starting pitchers were, were able to, to go even on the road. They won game five to stay alive and then go on the road. And you've got, uh, was it Arietta and uh, um, the left Hendricks. Uh, yeah. No. Hendricks. It was Hendricks. Yeah, 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 yeah you're right. Yeah, it was Lester. Right. It was Lester and Hendricks. It was Lester and Hendricks. Yeah. Uh, that that started games six and seven, and that was it for for the Indians. So, uh, yeah, just um, just looking at the way things set up with the postseason, uh, you know, we should be in line to to get the World Series, you know, going underway. I believe that's supposed to be on the on the twenty eighth. So October twenty sixth is game one. Twenty six is game one. one. Okay. Yeah. So that's next Tuesday. Uh, we found out uh, the Gold Glove Award finalists will be announced on what the uh, the 28th, and that's that next Thursday, so uh, six days from now. 
Uh, we, you know, possibility there that a couple of Indians might might be a consideration. Uh, Austin Hedges behind the plate and the possibility of Jose Ramirez at third base. Yeah, you know, uh, I know talking to Sandy Alomar, uh, the Indians catching coach uh, during the late late in the season, he was talking about, you know, all the catchers that the Indians had kind of, you know, used this past season. And he really kind of, he really liked uh, Hedges, the way he handled, handled the staff, the way he blocks balls, the way he calls games. And he said he thought he was a gold glove, uh, you know, candidate. So that would be interesting because, you know, obviously Roberto Perez won the last two. And maybe Hedges uh, wins, keeps it in the in the organization if he could come out and uh, win win it this year. But I'm sure there's there's a lot of there's a lot of good catchers in the American League. Yeah, I'd, I'd say Martin Maldonado, Yasmani Grandal, uh, Grandal maybe not the best uh, at, at throwing, but uh, Maldonado certainly uh, yeah. he's won and he's won Gold Gloves in the past, so uh, it would be a tough competition uh, for Hedges if he can do that. And like you said. You know, you, you watch Jose Ramirez every day and you see him every once in a while, uh, you know, kick a ball at third base. But it's the it's the little things and the, the sort of the immeasurable things by the by the eye that uh, that sort of make him one of the better third basemen. I mean, um, you know, playing at third base, you, you get more balls that are barreled hit towards you uh, coming at you 100 miles an hour or more. And, and he seems to make a lot of those plays and, and made made quite a few of them this year. Yeah, he's got the great reactions over there, Joe. And, you know, he never seems rushed when he's making a throw. You know, it's nice, you know, a nice delivery, nice carry on his throws, comes in on the ball well on, on the slow choppers. You know, he can barehand it. And, you know, the, the fact I like it when he can shift and, and, you know, he's playing, uh, you know, shortstop basically, and they can do that four, four five or six, five, uh, three double play, you know, and, and you don't see a lot of third basemen that can do that. And I think, you know, that, that, that really helps the Indians defense. Well, a couple of things, his, his range going from third base or shortstop into left, uh, the left field foul territory to catch balls. Uh, he's always one of the more sure-handed ones just on, on balls in the air. Um, but then, like you said, in that shift, I'm, I'm always fond of, of pointing out the fact that when he's playing that shortstop spot in the shift, you know, he came up as a shortstop. So it's a, it, he's a third baseman playing shortstop or a, a shortstop playing third base who's playing shortstop on a particular play. That, that That's where he is. Uh, it's very convoluted, but, uh, you know, uh, it, the official scores always have a fun time figuring <laughs> out where, uh, where guys are playing. Um, so yeah, just, just to keep an eye out uh, next week, the, the gold glove awards, and then we'll have, uh, you know, a whole slew of postseason award wrap-ups coming. Uh, uh, the the Hank Aaron Award uh, should be announced sometime during the, the World Series as well. And, uh, you know, several others. I believe Aaron Savali is still in the running for um, the uh, Roberto Clemente Award. That hasn't been announced yet. That's to be announced during the World Series. Uh, you know, who knows what the, uh, what the chances are there. Uh, Let's let, let's shift our focus uh, for the rest of this podcast here today to the uh, the piece that you wrote uh, on the on the website today uh, regarding evaluation and player evaluation and the upcoming season for the Guardians will be highly influenced by this past season of the Indians and just the ability to to get out there and see some of these younger players 
you know, who was rising, who was falling, who had their stock, you know, sort of improve uh, based on this past season and who's in neutral and then, you know, who might have taken a step back. Um, it was a real interesting piece just looking at some of these names. A lot of these guys we've talked about on the podcasts before um, and, and, and in a lot of detail. But, you know, you, you kind of go into a few of these guys uh, here, uh, especially the guys who you named that are on the fence. Uh, so let's let's just start with who who improved this past season, who improved their sort of stock among the India, uh, the Cleveland's front office and, uh, you know, set themselves up for success next year uh, as a guardian. Yeah, I think, we, you know, some guys right off the top of the top of my head, Joe, was uh, Quantrill, obviously, you know, had the great second half, came in and really kind of saved that rotation. Um you know, Tristan McKenzie, uh, that great 11 game stretch that really kind of, you know, opened a lot of eyes and, and just, uh, you know, that, that really kind of showed you that, you know, he's ready to maybe take the next step in the big leagues and, you know, kind of establish himself in the rotation next year. You know, a guy like uh, Class A, you know, you know, what can you say about that? The great second half, 13 saves in this. You know, a stretch of 13 straight saves, I believe. Um, you know, and, and you know, a, a guy like Anthony Ghost, I mean, he only made, you know, six appearances at the end of the season. But certainly the work he did at, at Columbus, you know, you know, kind of gives you some, uh, you know, that he shows you that there's some promise for, uh, for next season. A guy like Chang, you know, had really struggled in the first half came up in August and put a, put together like a 30, 35 game run that, that kind of really, I don't know, at least put himself on the map here mm -hmm. because the thing I find interesting, Joe, is, uh, you know, they've got, they've got these, this like, uh, you know, the pressure coming from on top and, and, and uh, below, you know, it's like, uh, you know, they've got, they've got all these prospects that are, that are, uh, you know, kind of, making a move that have to be protected on the rule five. Then you've got like a, a level of guys, 10, 10 players, I think that are out of options. And uh, so something has to give there. And that's, that's what I was trying to point out in the story. Right. Yeah. There's sort of a whole slew of like four, a guys, like the guys who are between they've, they've done everything they can do at the triple a level. They've proven everything they can there. Uh, and it's just, a matter of are you patient enough to, to see if there really is something there as, as, as a big leaguer. Um, Chang among them for, for certain. Bobby Bradley, certainly another one of those, those guys as well. Yeah, I really liked uh, what Bradley did, um, you know, especially right after he came up in June. You know, he, he uh, you know, showed power, showed the ability to go the other way, played a decent first base. I think, you know, that knee injury probably in the second half kind of slowed him down a little bit, but he still hit four home runs in, in uh, September. Uh, you know, he's always going to, he has that strikeout thing. You know, he has a contact problem that's going to, you know, that he's going to have to, I, I think that's going to be with him most of his career. But, uh, you know, I thought he, he, you know, he did enough to uh, obviously, you know, come back as, as the leading candidate to win that first base job. And, He's another guy that's out of options. Right. 
Uh, we got to look this year finally at uh, – actually, finally. Uh, we got to look at Owen Miller this year after he, you know, sort of opened a lot of eyes in spring training and early on in the season in AAA. Uh, he, you know, maybe started to turn things on later in the year after he figured a few things out, but the early part of the season was such a struggle for him. Uh, we saw James Karinczak do just the opposite, come out and, and really light the world on fire in the first couple of months, but then uh, there was a ban on sticky substances, and it's, you know, no coincidence that his, um, his effectiveness sort of declined. Uh, these are the on-the-fence sort of guys. You, you also grouped in Andres Jimenez and um, Sam Hentges in that in that group. Yeah, you know, I thought Hentges was a, the, a, a really interesting guy to me. Uh, you know, first of all, I was surprised he was out of options. You know, we were talking about it the other day. But, uh, you know, I guess, you know, when you when you go to – when you're on the 40-man roster and, and you go to big league camp and you get sent down, that counts as an option. So, you know, he's been, he's been on a 40 man for a while, you know, for a few years now and you only get three options. So, you know, and, and it's a shame to me because he looks like he's, you still don't know exactly what he is, you know, and he'd seemed to find a niche for himself in the bullpen. And now, you know, you're kind of sitting there thinking, you know, we need that roster spot. Did he show us enough? So it's going to be, you know, it's going to be an interesting decision with him, you know, Karen check, you know, I mean, he, he, Karinczak just has so much raw ability that, that, you know, so much. He has a great arm, the velocity. You know, if he can get back to where he was uh, in the first half or something close to that, I, I don't see how you keep him off the ball club. Yeah, that's a, it, it, there's a spot for him. I, I just don't you, – you just don't know how effective he can be in that. Uh, just going back to Henches real quick, I think – do you think that they, they figured out that he's a – a bullpen guy now do you, do you think he's you know not going to be bouncing back and forth between the the rotation uh I, the, the the comp that just jumps out at you because of the size because of the stuff and you know he just needs to develop that consistency is Andrew Miller could could they develop Sam Hentges into a weapon like they had with Andrew Miller well I think you know the, obviously I think that's yeah I think they they think he's better suited for the bullpen it sounds like Sam thinks he's, you know, he, he fits in there as well. Um, and, uh, you know, and he's got that great arm. What, 97, you know, 97 mm -hmm. miles out fastball. Good and he looks slider, like he's good. throwing it out of your ear if you're a left-handed hitter. Six, what, six, six, 245. You know, he's got everything, uh, you know, the physical traits that you need. Uh, and I just wonder, does he have enough time? You know, will they, you know, allow him the time to, to uh, get that? Or is he going to find it somewhere else? On the, uh, the the back side of things, uh, you know, players that maybe took a step back or didn't help themselves tremendously uh, this season. Uh, we mentioned Harold Ramirez uh, as as a guy uh, who who really sort of doesn't have a place defensively in the outfield. Yeah, you know, I, and I and I hate to like do that to Harold. I think he's a great guy, good dude, um, <clears throat> but. Uh, like we've talked before, Joe, I think he's, if he could play for a national league team and could be a, a guy coming off the bench, you know, as a, as a, uh, as a bat off the bench and occasional, you know, defender out, you know, start a few games, you know, start two games a week or something in the outfield. I think he'd be ideal, but you know, he, he really kind of, 
he's 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 a DH to me. And the Indians already have Fran Mel Reyes as a DH. And uh, and if, if you play him every day in the outfield, you know, his limitations just, you know, kind of you can't ignore him. And he's he's going to cost you more games and with his defense to me than he wins you with his with his bat. Yeah, it's uh, it's a classic case of, you know, drive in a run and then give up two in the field. It's, uh, you know, not really ideal situation. Uh, sort of the opposite effect of Bradley Zimmer, whose defense is, you know, on par with anybody in uh, on the roster uh, in center field. Uh, he, uh, you know, he showed flashes this year with some some really great power uh, at times and, and really actually string together a couple of games where he hit the ball. But just not enough consistency, I think, that you would like to see out of a, a guy like that? Yeah, you know, I think, uh, you know, Bradley's like 28 right now, uh, former number one pick, um, you know, and is this as good as he's going to get? You know, that that's what I was trying to say. You know, that's what I'm, I, you know, I, I'm thinking about here. You know, obviously he was, you know, uh, with, uh, you know, outs above average, he led the team with eight, you know, led the Indians with eight. So, and he, you know, got great physical tools, he can go get the ball, he can throw, uh, he's got great speed, but offensively, is he, is he going to be, a, is he going to strike out, you know, he's still got the strikeout thing going 41% of the time he strikes out, uh, um, and uh, is he going to, you know, if, if you're going to do that, you've got to hit, you know, 35 to 40 home runs, you know, and then mm -hmm. you can live with, you can live with a guy like that, maybe the 20, 25 to 30 home runs, but will, will we see that kind of power from him? We, I don't know. And, you know, he's been hurt for what, two, three years. Uh, so I, I, I was just wondering if th this is the best you're going to get out of him. Right. And, and a lot of those same things can be said about Oscar Mercado as well. Yeah. You know, Mercado to me, you know, I thought, you know, in 2019, he looked like, you know, he's going to be the center fielder of the future for the Indians. He could run. He's got some pop, you know, really a good defender, especially in center field, uh, good arm. Uh, but we just haven't seen, we haven't seen the consistency from him. And he's out of options. Zimmer's out of options. And Ramirez are out, is out of options as well. So what do you do with those guys? Right. Yeah, that's it. I it would not surprise me to see a complete makeover of the, the Indians outfield situation uh, with, with Miles Straw sort of being the anchor in the, in the middle there um, moving forward. If they, if they sort of build around him in center. Uh, we, in, in your post, you sort of went over some of these guys uh, who are, are close uh, minor leaguers who are close to sort of making an impact uh, just to throw a few names out there. Uh, Tyler Freeman, Brian Rocchio, uh, Jose Tina and, you know, Richie Palacios on the infield, uh, George Valera, who's probably a year or two away in, in the outfield and, uh, Cody Morris on the mound. Uh, these are all names of guys that, you know, should at least maybe get, uh, invites to, to major league camp or, or most of them should be considered for it. Yeah. And, and they're all eligible for the rule five draft, Joe. Uh, you know, that's, that's the, the key point. And you only got 40 spots on the roster. Can, can you protect all those guys and the guys uh, that you can't protect? Are they going to get drafted by another team? And, uh, you know, that's, that's always a gamble you take. And, uh, you know, the Indians have spent, what, five, six, seven years, 
you know, building up their, uh, or, you know, improving their farm system. And, uh, you know, this is what happens when you have good prospects. You, you can't protect them all and uh, we'll see how that goes. And that's why, you know, you're sitting there looking at 10 guys who are out of options on the 40 man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now you've got, you know, the, the, uh, the, uh, you know, the minor leagues knocking on the, the minor league prospects knocking on the door. I guess that's, you know, out with the old, in with the new. I mean, is I guess that's all right, but I guess that's, you know, the ideal. Does that, is that what it takes for a franchise like the Indians to uh, prosper? Well, the, the bottom line here is there, there is going to be some talent among those, uh, those names that we, we listed. Uh, there is going to be some talent that's not going to be with the club next year. You know, there, there's guys with potential, guys that we've seen. There's also guys that we haven't seen, like the, the young players that we just mentioned. Of those six guys, if I said you had to, or you could keep four, would there be, would there be four off the top of your head that you would definitely want to see, you know, kept on the roster? Yeah, I, I would go Valera. I would go uh, Rocio. Um, did I say that right? Rocio? Rocio. 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 <laughs> yeah, Rocio. Rocio Valera. I, I like T- Tanya. I, I know he's young, uh, but uh, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, I go with him. I, I think Palacios and Morris yeah. have to both be on there. And Palacios and, you know and who? who was Palacios and Cody Morris. Yeah. Cody Morris is going to be your next guy called up into the rotation. But do you know what that does if you take only those four guys out of this, that group of six? That leaves the number one prospect in your organization exposed. Tyler Freeman, who was – Tyler right. Freeman, who, who was injured last year uh, and had had shoulder surgery. But, you know, I, I can't see how you don't put the, those four guys that we mentioned on the on the 40 the man roster. And it, it, it just becomes such a numbers game. Tyler Freeman, if he's if he's close enough. Yeah. But but really. We saw well, every time we see Rokio, he hits a home run in a spring training game or something like that. It's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. So, yeah, it, it's they do not envy uh, the, the front office in, in Cleveland uh, over the next couple of weeks and couple of months because there are some really tough decisions that they're going to have to make. Yeah, they've got in a usually the uh, 40 man, <clears throat> the 40 man has to be, you know, completed and uh, finalized uh, and sent to the commissioner's office by November 20th. So, you know, the countdown is on. Yeah, it's uh, it, you want to have things in line before the uh, the winter meetings get uh, get going and they, they do the Rule 5 draft uh, and, you know, teams have a chance to at least do their research on some of these guys. All right, uh, Hoisey, we will wrap it up for this week, another edition of the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Uh, we'll be back with you again on monday and uh starting november 1st starting the the first week of november we're going to do deep dives on uh each member of uh, cleveland's 40-man roster we'll start with uh you know some of the top players in the in the organization on the you know club according to uh how our subtexters uh sort of rank the, the players uh I have a feeling Jose Ramirez and Shane Bieber and Cal Quantrill will, will be among the first uh, players that we sort of break down. But our format uh, starting November 1st will be, you know, it's uh, November 1st. It's Jose Ramirez Day. We'll, uh, we'll break down Jose. We'll look at his 2021 season. We'll look ahead to 2022. 
and you know what could be in the cards for him uh if you know there's no guarantees uh on, on any player but jose has has some options and you know we'll uh we'll see how that goes and on down the line uh to till the last man on the 40 man is uh is complete uh we'll yeah that's gonna that. be exciting joe that's good yeah, that yeah really fun. and and we can actually you know argue about some of these guys too and, and uh you know get get a little bit of a conversation and debate Looking forward to that next uh, next month, uh, beginning of November 1st on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Until then, we'll talk to you later.